Good morning and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Mona, and my co-host, as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Um, exciting prospect of the season starting in a few hours' time. But first, let's go to the Barcelona game, wrapped up our pre-season tour. Uh, tough task before the EPL starts. Yeah, it was a real Jekyll and Hyde performance for me, like, you know, my opinion, uh, with regards to the game. You know, that Juan Gamper trophy. Um, in the first half, it started quite positive. Arsenal, you know, really taking the game to Barcelona. You know, Barcelona were also ringing the changes, like having about half senior, half um, of the, you know, the academy players that are now coming through quite fast. Um, we actually held our own and took the lead in the 36 minute when Aubameyang was fed a fantastic ball by Mr. Ozil and uh, Aubameyang just bent a beauty from outside the box around uh, the new Barcelona keeper, Neto. But Neto is probably sick of the sight of Aubameyang. Hey, Valencia, Aubameyang got a hat-trick past him, scored in the first leg and scored now against Neto. So he probably is the sick of the sight of him. But like you mentioned, you could see as well, Arsenal were very deep into their pre-season relative to you know Barcelona. They seem much stronger and... You know, you were, I was proud of the performance of the boys, you know. I know you mentioned the, the uh, Dr. Jekyll must Hyde performance. So, it, it, it did come to fruit. Like, you could see Arsenal being a bit lackluster at stages again. I mean, like, with, with Barcelona, they second half, you know, they brought on the big guns, you know, Luis Suarez and them. And, I mean, I, I just thought to myself, you know, if we had kept playing, I'm not saying play that tempo, but, you know, playing that sort of mindset that we had at first half, I think it would have been positive for us. But, I mean, we ended up almost like starting to go into our shell somewhat, allowed Barcelona to almost like, you know, swarm us at times. Because, I mean, I remember there was a period for about 10 to 15 minutes where the ball just did not even go out of our half because it just kept on coming back at us, coming back at us. And, you know, all that, you eventually had those lapses in concentration also that, that's been our Achilles seal going through, like, past seasons also. And, uh I think it was a, a ball that was played, you know, kind kind of lacklusterly by one of the Barcelona players into the Arsenal box. And I, I, one thing I do recall, Callum Chambers was actually telling Maitland Niles, you know, calm down because there's no danger. Yeah. At the same time, Brent Leno comes rushing out. I think, oh, you know, also goalkeeper at fault, but I mean uh, the uh, Maitland Niles majorly at fault. And he just side foots the ball past advancing Leno, and I mean own goal Arsenal one one. I think this preseason has showed, and I'm not taking anything away from Ainsley Maitland now. Like, there's not just this one moment where I'm hopping on him. I know you've mentioned it before, but you see more and more he's starting to slowly get exposed as a right back. And I'm not saying it's like ugly, like exposed badly, but now and then you'll see, like, you know, maybe a right back would have been able to sniff out certain danger. Even when they cut inside on him, he struggles slightly. So I don't know if Arsenal should, you know, prepare maybe in Mustafi at the right-back position, just to be back up behind Maitland now, just to also put some fire under his behind before Bellerin yeah. comes back. Because I think, look, the likes of Bellerin and him are about, I think, a month or month and a half away, you know, from, from getting into first-team action. Because, I mean, look, they're now running already, doing sprint, and they're now slowly, you know, drafting them into more competitive uh, scenarios. Whereas somebody like Rob Holding is already... You know, playing on like full contact in the under 23s at the moment in, in their preseason preparations. The under 23s. So I think he's playing, uh, it could be tomorrow he's playing again another game. Because I think they, you know, they're giving every time like a 15, 20, 30 minute run out, stuff like that, just to get him also up to scratch. But 
I, I agree with you. I think, you know, if it, go, if it goes on like this, I think it would be best, I mean, while we can, to then let Mustafa then play right back. Because it looks like every time when you have somebody with, with you know, that real quick footwork, I'm not talking about just space, uh, pace, because look, Maitland Niles can hold himself against any guy with pace. But the minute you have that trickery, uh, you know, that, that wingers with a lot of tricks in the, in the bag, that is when he has problems. Because Look at that. I told you with uh, Kingsley Coman had him on his backside a few times in that preseason game we played Bayern. And then, I mean, last season, that uh, Ismaila signed him. When they were go- gunning for him on that one flank, he had also problems, you know, dealing with that, you know, when they, they weave inside and outside of him. Yeah, so it's just something that we need to take care of. And I mean, I know while we can use Mustafi, I mean, he's an Arsenal player, no point, unless, you know, something happens. Later on in the window with selling him, we might as well make use of him as a resource in the team. I mean, he doesn't do the worst of jobs at the right back relative to centre back, and we know that Riyad is ugly in this game. Yeah. <laughs> no sooner did he come on as a substitute, and I mean, in my mindset, I was still thinking, you know, we're gonna play for penalties, and I mean, who knows what happens? Happens. I, I would take it whether we lose or, or you know, you win in the shootout. Take it as that. But, I mean, the minute Mustafi came on, came the era of, you know, where he's watching Suarez one minute, a long ball gets play, played over the defence. And, I mean, in that time, he's watching Suarez is already gunning past him while he's ball watching. And, I mean, Suarez ends up just off holding or holding the ball past Leno. And, I mean, that was it for that. I think you can see as a defensive era of his in that I sent you a picture I don't even can remember that picture I said, but like he's standing straight on as a defender. I mean, you're supposed to be at least sideways sometimes, so you can maybe, if you see you misjudge something, you can quickly get to the the defender. But he was standing straight on with his back towards goal. I mean, you can't do anything once uh, that happens. And he was appealing for his famous offside always. <laughs> you know, that, uh, it kind of gives me also that flashback of the game when we played Fiorentina where he was up against that, that up-and-coming 21-year-old. 21 I don't know, I forgot his name now. And this guy, all he did was, I mean, for, I think that guy played a half. And for that whole half, what he was doing, he was just hanging on Mustafa's shoulder. So every time a ball got lofted over, you could actually see he was knowing that Mustafa's going to miss the head. And I don't know how many balls they ended up digging. <laughs> and I mean, you don't think, okay... If they catch me out like this, you know, like as people that used to play football, then you think then I'd rather, you know, drop a bit further behind yes. uh, marking. So, you know, if whatever, if he has to miss it or whatever, I can attack the ball. But he falls, you know, it's like that. Also, if you see you know, that flashback of of him in that, that was the League Cup final or the uh, no, FA Cup semi final where he ends up almost like half fl- trying to flick the ball back and he misses the ball completely in flight. Yes, yes uh, I remember it was against Man City, wasn't it? Again, Aguero, I think it's a calling cup final. With him. Aguero also like body plays him off the ball as well after that. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that was like it. I mean, the players now ended up you know, going back to London, preparing for the new league season. And of course, now we're going to move our attention now to just a recap of the transfer window where we're going to now discuss in detail, some of the signings, you know, pros, cons with regards to play, and also their role in the squad. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, Martinelli, who signed him for six million from a fourth division Brazilian side, Ituano. And now, for me, you can see he's like a prospect. He has the pace, got skill, got very quick feet. But I think at the moment, the problem with him is that decision making, because I think he could have probably bagged also in preseason a full of goals, but 
there's certain things where, you know, he's still not confident enough. Like, you know, sometimes he, he shoots when he can pass and sometimes he pass when he can shoot, that type, that type of thing. So he needs also like, you know, sort on and find his feet also in his own way in that uh, uh yeah, in that direction. I'm 100% agree with that. I mean, there was times when I was shocked at the, the misses he had. Like, there was times when he just, if he just composed himself a bit more, then he yeah. chokes you shot and then it goes yeah. wide. But other than that, I think his overall game, he can bring a lot to the squad as a youngster. You know, Europa League role, Carabao Cup, and, you know, maybe even in last 10 minutes when Arsenal lead a goal, he can cause a bit of a hassle to opposition. So... He's maybe not going to probably be featuring full-time in the Arsenal squad, but I do think he could have a cameo role here and there, which could prove vital moving on in the season. And I mean, if you, uh, like, I don't know if you also recalled in that, that his performance in the um, Emirates Cup as well, where he, you know, he actually skinned that whole backline of, of Lyon, where he ended up running right down the middle between two centre-backs. And just gunned it for goal. I think he just narrowly missed the chance. But, I mean, it shows you his confidence, you know, taking people on. So, it's now just, you know, polishing up that diamond somewhat. I think, yeah, it's just about, yeah, the rawness in a play that sometimes you need uh, in a youngster. Just had the raw talent that just needs to be owned into, you know, get the complete, more like a rough diamond to almost polish it up, like you said. And then, of course, we have, uh, we ended up signing also uh, centre-back William Saliba of St. Etienne for $27 million. You know, uh, Prospect, again, uh, you know, from what I've now read up about him and I've gone on also, you know, stat sites and stuff like that, just to pick up what people or how he's rated. And I mean, they say they normally say he bosses the aerial duels and he wins about 70% of his man-to-man uh, marking and duels against opponents. So, you know, a big positive. So it's going to be a big season for him also, even now on loan, you know, acting in our, on loan at, at St. 18 now for the coming season. Uh, I think like the cons with regards to him, I think the price tag will weigh heavy on him as fans and pundits, you know, are going to be keeping extra actors. I've also read some Arsenal fans are also saying now um, they want to start watching more than 18 games now just to, to get the feel of, you know, what this guy is really like. He's really worth us 27 million pounds. Yeah, it, it, it is a bit of a tricky one. I mean, like for me, I didn't know much about him until we signed him. They only did a bit of homework on him, but... Um, I think sending him out of loan, I would have preferred one of my clients, actually, we, I felt we could have maybe kept him at the club, you know, if we had to get rid of Mustafi, get him in the club, kind of get him into the Arsenal way and, um, you know, just get him experience to the Premier League because next year it's going to maybe be a bit of an adjustment again next season when he has to come into the Premier League. Because, I mean, I also thought they would, you know, try to make a, like a that type of deal where they allow, say, Mustafi to go, say, in, in that direction or whoever of the centre-backs that we were wanting to get rid of, you know, let's shift them then on to St. Etienne to help out there, and then we already take uh, Saliba then on on the books. But, okay, you know, decision is made, and that's done and dusted. Um, with regards to the next signing, Danny Ceballos, a season-long loan from Real Madrid, uh, established midfielder, who's still trying to, in a way, also find his feet again in the Madrid team, which is going to be tough for whichever way you look at it, because... He was he's somebody that's already a first-teamer when he was at Betis. And then with the move to Madrid, it's almost like, you know, came crashing a bit somewhat to the to ground. You know, in a new scene, having to play was like second or third fiddle now. Because, of you know, when you look at people like Isco, Asensio, and that ahead of him. Uh, a, a midfielder with quick feet, attack-minded player, supposedly can handle heavy tackles. 
But I mean, that's the way also it, it rolls into my um, con. Uh, yeah, my con is that the Premier League is also a different animal to to any player, whether you're tricky or you know you you think you're strong and that. So it's going to also be interesting to see how he's going to handle. You know, when you play the Watfords, when you're going to play Burnley, and be, you know you're really going to get a a, a, a real buffeting in in, in midfield or yeah. My proof for him would be that he reminds a bit of Santi and Fabregas from what I've seen him play. And I think Uzel's missed a player like that for one to maybe push him competition-wise. Or if you play Sebayos in a deeper role, he kind of opens up um, space for Uzel to get onto the ball ball because they're going to have to close Sebayos down because he can do magic with the ball. He has that eye for a killer pass as well. So you can't leave him open, which means that defenders may need to push or midfielders to push on Sebayos, which kind of lets Uzel float into the gap or the pocket. So I hope the two of them could possibly combine together. And then um, I think a bit of a con is, like you mentioned, with the Premier League being a rough tackling game. And I mean, I'm sure uh, like he could like get maybe injured if, you know, the one, like you mentioned, the Watford or wherever we go, come crashing into tackles. Because it's not like a 50-50, is it? The refs will look over. They play on most of the time. Because I mean, what 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 I've noticed even when I watched him a bit in that that, that Juan Camper that, that uh, game the trophy with Barcelona, what he's very good at. I mean, he got he got the uh, you know really trodden on and, and, and really kicked lumps out of in that game. But I mean, what I did notice is he knows how to draw tackles out of people. You know, whether you think okay, yeah. such second guessing yourself as a defender, do I go for it? And I also another thing of him is. He actually, the way, his creativity, it makes him almost like a magnet to other people around him, like uh, opponents. So it's almost like, as you said now, that making that space for us or making that space for, you know, whoever else, like say Xhaka in midfield or Torreira in midfield, where he can actually cause that sort of uh, havoc, if you think of it. Just that the way, because of his skillfulness, like, you know, instead of two people trying to close him down, three will try to close him down and then leaving, you know, leaving pockets of space open. Yeah, and then we go on to... uh... Nicholas Pepe. Yeah. Uh, what? What? The, I think he's definitely going to be a key player in the in the Arsenal squad this season or the Arsenal eleven. I think especially the amount of money we forked out on him and the fact that he's the type of player that I always say you know wants to get choker in his boots because he will get choker in his boots and take on the defense still even the dead boy ball line cut in. He's finishing his top class as well and I also feel that he works. Like he, he gets back in deep. Um, he passes um, one twos from the its own half, and then gets onto the the ball again to finish the attack. Off. So I like that about him. He's con. I think it reminds me a bit of Sanchez in terms of holding on the ball. But for someone, you have to take on the defense to you know get the reward. But I feel that he probably might lose the ball a bit much. You know, trying to take on defenders. But I guess no risk, no reward as well, eh? True. And I mean, like, um, the way I've not jotted the, the pointers on with regards to him, you know, raw pace, superb footwork, and will cause, you know, any defence, you know, pure havoc if given the chance or the space. Because, I mean, I, I'm sure if you look at even your people like United or Spurs or whatever, if you take one of the, say, the key centre-backs or, you know, or the full-backs, I don't think they'd actually want them to be one-on-one with somebody like Pepe because, you know, he will draw you also towards him and then by the time he shifts that ball past you, He's gone. I mean, unless you really got pace to burn, you're not going to catch him. So, I think if you've got any, you know, standard or slow centre-backs or full-backs, you're going to have issues with this guy. 
And with regards to cons, I think, again, price tag will be a constant cloud over his head. Because, look, he's now going to be expected to be the big signing who's also our talisman in the squad. And, you know, all lowest attributes without the ball. So, it will also come under the scrutiny now being now in a, in a you know, a better league as the Premier League. So, people will want to probably see his work. Because, right? you know, somebody like even Graham Sunnis is somebody that always would say, yeah, you know, Colosinus is not doing this or Guitarin is not doing that, Ozil is not doing this. So, they're going to probably be watching that also to his game. Is he going to help out if, you know, the, the way sometimes you see Aubameyang lose the ball or like yeah. a, they'll come running back, you know, into a fullback position to try to win that ball back. So, I think that is what people are also expecting of him. I think also one thing he adds, just starting to add on quickly before we move on to the next guy, but the the one thing he adds as well is a, a, a additional threat to the Arsenal side because you remember Lacazette, Aubameyang, if you close the two of them or strangle the one, you kind of cut off Arsenal's pace completely, but now you have an additional threat now where you have to keep your eye open and you can't push too much to one player. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, the next signing is Kieran Tierney. You know, after months of, and months of speculation, and believe us, it was months, uh, you know, as finally the deal is done, this is going to be also a crucial signing because, you know, it's, he's like a near-complete uh, left-back with Champions League experience and then seen also as the future of Arsenal's um, defence, you know, as we now start rebuilding again after the kind of mess that Gazidis was in. But, you know, that's also another story of another day. Um, he's also, you know, a serious upgrade with what we currently have in, in you know, with Montreal and, and Kolasinac. Uh, you know, bombs up the flanks in attack, but unlike Kolasinac and Montreal, which is now down to age with Montreal, but he also knows the importance of the defensive side of the game. So, you know, he's somebody that also will bust the gut to get to the back again. Uh, he's also out and out, uh, besides being an out and out left back, he's also an alternate uh, left back, uh, sorry, left centre back. He can play in that role also if needed. Because they say he's also quite comfortable in that. He's been playing for Celtic even at times when they needed that. He was also like, bailing them out in a way in that sense. Um, with regards to cons, um, they said he actually had a nightmare game against Bayern because Kingsley Coman also had him in, you know, twists and turns from where he just could not read anything that, that Coman was doing. So, the Premier League does have people like that, you know, the the Ryan Sterlings or uh, Mo Salas, you know, people like that. So that is also something to be wary about with you know, regards to game. But I think also if he's now a coach, right, and, and, and you're only on those sort of attributes, uh, you know, to, to, to make him, again, you know, a, a real top, top uh, left back, then I don't see any, you know, problem really there. I think for me a pro is that our, our left side will be a bit more stable now because I think last season there's a bit of uncertainty. Who goes there? Is it Colosinac? Is it Montreal? Or one would just be playing because there's no other alternative. Like, because maybe Montreal's injured, Colosinac would have to go into that role because there's nobody else to fill that. So I think Tierney actually strengthens that side of the field. He adds more confidence, you know, in defense and attack-minded as well, and he's young as well, so he, he will he will have a lot of energy to burn. And I mean, I think he's maybe a bit fitter than Colosinac, as we won't see him throwing up on the sidelines of the field. I think uh, a, a con might be, you know, a bit new to the Premier League as well. It's, it's not easy always settling into the Premier League. We saw Monreal in his first season, season and a half even, where, you know, I didn't want him on the pitch and I thought he was a better player. Um, Kieran Keefe was a better player than him, so... 
you know, a bit worrying that, you know, throwing someone into a left-back position from a different league and expecting him to eat the ground running immediately. Yeah, and then our final signing, David Luiz from Chelsea. Very, very surprising deal. I mean, I did not see this coming. Because I think it's something like with about three or four days to go that the rumours already started picking yes. up. So, um, I find him also, he will be a crucial signing. Uh, his experience and leadership could be, you know, gold for Arsenal in search of getting the top four. Because, you know, he reads the game well, most parts. Uh, you know, devastating dead ball specialist, attacks headers. I mean, the amount of headed goals he bags or, or free kicks he can score as well. And also that long-range shooting when he does almost like that Hail Mary moves for Chelsea, where he would just burst through from the halfway line and just have a pop-it goal from 35, 40 yards. You know, he's not really scared to do that. As for um, Cons, you know, has lapses in concentration in, when he's in defence. Um, I think, you know, that can also somehow be rectified, you know, if you have some, like, say, Socrates keeping him, you know, in the zone type of thing and focus. And another thing also is he can get caught up sometimes high upfield. So Emery will probably, you know, somehow have to maybe rein in that, you know, that attacking field to his game. Because, I mean, I know he's going to, you know, as a Brazilian centre-back, they normally do, they, they are quite adventurous. And I mean, don't get me wrong with this whole, you know, this whole thing, because as what I now picked, I mean, I was actually kind of annoyed when I saw, okay, you had some Arsenal fans, some courts saying, yeah, he's not the right, you know, the right thing to, to to bring him in. But I mean, we just need somebody with some sort of, you know, that has won a lot of things. Look, he's won Premier League in 2016-17 season. He's won the FA Cup 11, uh, 2011, 2012, and in 2017-2018. He's won the Champions League in 2011-2012 season. He's won the Europa League twice. So, I mean, yeah. like as I said, don't get me wrong, it's going to be a risk getting him. But I mean, the way the fans make him out to be, you know, he's like a bad defender. Because I mean, a lot of trash was also spoken in the media, and this is what also annoys me. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember, on the day or the day before we signed him, there was talks that, yeah, he went on strike and, and he did this and he did that, you know, to cause the trouble. Frank Lampard has come out in his own uh, interview as well as David Luiz has done an interview also where he said, when when Lampard saw now or explained to him the situation, because they said they both had a, it was a calm talk, discussed, you know, how, like the future and, and Lampard told him, said, look, I don't see you as a, a you know, guaranteed starter in my squad. And then he also said, look, since... We can allow you to go. So we prefer you to then train with, the, say, the under-23s. and that. So, even David Lewis said he didn't stay home. He trained and kept himself fit throughout until this deal got done, or, or the awesome deal got put over the line. But look how the media tried to put the spin on it to, to, you know, to do clickbait stuff. Yeah, it is true. But I, I, like, the one of the pros for me, like, you know, when going to David Lewis, even though there's so much negative which we've spoken about him, it is not the best defender, etc., etc. But... He adds a lot, like you said, a winning mentality. He adds leadership to the to the, the dressing room. He adds so much already just coming in as David Lewis. I think players will maybe look up to him. Rob Holding can learn a thing or two. And he just has a bit of nastiness that Arsenal needs sometimes. You know, that I, I'm not saying I'm a big fan of it, but to sometimes slow a game down, you will draw a foul and just lay there for a bit. And he doesn't just recklessly kick out at someone like that. So... You know, hopefully he can install that into the rest of the team just to be winners. Because I think he is a serial winner. And 
being Premier League ready as well is definitely a pro. I think a con is that, you know, like you mentioned, he can sometimes lose his head with going forward, bombing forward. Uh, you meant Socrates need to have a good understanding because don't, we don't need both of them getting red cards in the same game. Yeah. Um, so that was it now with our transfers, you know, the recap of our transfers in. Uh, just some little short pointers on, on the players that have now left the club, Kossielny, to Bordeaux for 4.1 million. Uh, Iwobi, that was probably the deal of the of the, season, of the window for Arsenal. You know, a deal between, uh, I think it, it, it starts at 35 million pounds and it could go up to 40 with performance-based you know, incentives are going through the season. So wasn't he the highest player we've ever sold? Iwobi, like all all add-ons. Kind of March, I think, was leading that. But I'm, I, I'm under correction. I can maybe get back in the next podcast or something that the listeners can maybe even check. He's like, I think he could be the the highest exit that we've ever had at Arsenal. I think uh, it was called Jenkinson. It's out uh, three million pounds to Nottingham Forest. I mean, I wish him well there. Um, with regards to some of the youngsters, uh, Eden Ketia goes to Leeds on loan. So, I mean, you know, keep an eye for Leeds matches going through into this championship season. Um, who else was it? Dominic Thompson. I was actually a little bit disappointed because I really thought a lot of him in preseason as a, as a left-back because he looked confident on the ball. Even off the ball, he looked quite strong. So, I really thought we would not keep him, but I saw it's a straight... Transfer because I was sort of something like a you know we loan him out or whatever, but it's like you know straight away uh, transfer out of the club. So you know I was a bit disappointed with that, and yeah, that's about. And Billik as well, eh? Yeah, we made, made actually good money out of from that Billik deal. Yeah, I can't believe it. I mean, the money that we recoup for some of the people, you like even that Thompson, we got a decent fee for. Yeah, and... so it's also three million, and I mean he's never played a first team. <laughs> yeah, so it seems like Raul Salne, they've they've really changed the way the club does business because before, you know, we would have just given a player away or sold him for next to nothing just to get him off the books. But it seems that they they're very good at wheeling and dealing with selling and buying. I mean, when I was uh, watching the uh, when they showed TNE and, and um, David Luiz arriving. I mean, besides, you know, the usual suspects like Vinay and, and, and Raul and Edu being there, that guy that does the contract, you know, the, the negotiations, he was also there. And that guy that told you he worked for Sky Sports Cycling, I think, he does the, the contract work now. And I mean, you can see that is now the, the sort of breakdown. I mean, if when they showed the, 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 the group photo of, the you know, when the contract was signed, he's also standing in on it. So it just shows how highly they think of him, like to be, you know, put up there already with a new signing. Because, I mean, he's yeah. brokering everything, the brokering the deal and, the, you know, the what, what, like seeing like what's the best option for these players, like oh, contract-wise. You, you can just see what the club has been missing over the past sure. 12 years. Because before Wenger was, you see Wenger in all of those photos, the negotiator with contracts, the signing fee, the everything. And you, you, I listen to United fans speak now. They're in a similar kind of boat as Arsenal. They don't have a proper like director of football like when we brought that Raul Salne in. So they don't have that. They have this one guy who wants to be in charge of everything, and that doesn't work. We Arsenal have different specialists in each department now, and look how nice it's coming together. I can't believe this is our Arsenal even. Uh, so, so yeah, so we, we can go to the Newcastle game, um, St James's Park. Steve Bruce um, managing Newcastle now. It's 
sad to see Rafa go because he did a really amazing job at the club. But St. James's Park, first game of the season, never an easy place to go. Yeah, it's going to be a testing game actually for both managers if you think of it. Because look, Steve Bruce is now something to prove that he can still, you know, run with the big boys in, in the Premier League, you know, coming from Sheffield Wednesday. And then you've got Una Emery now. Look, the club has now invested heavily now, given him what he wants to build his, like, you know, his team. So also a big season now for him. And I think everybody's going to also be watching how, how he has his team like defensively sorted out. And I mean, with the, with the, with the game, my judgment of the game is like, um, look, it's going to be... Steve Bruce will probably try to defend because look at most of Rafa's teams are also like that where they, you know, they will sit rather and play a counter-attacking game. And I think this is where Arsenal need to also, you know, look, you know that St. James's crowd is going to be up for it. So we're going to have to almost like smother that, you know, that, that atmosphere, you know, like kill that atmosphere somewhat with our passing game, our domination, our pace. Uh, I wonder how we're going to, you know, line up. Are we going to... Go the conventional uh, four, two, three, one, or we're going to go with like three at the back. It's going to really be testing for Emre. How is he going to start? Because I know he can't, or you probably won't start Pepe. And maybe I think Sebayos could be in line for a start in this game. Yeah, especially with Ozil and Kolasinic having to pull out with you know personal reasons. Um, and and for me also, what what I'm also interested to see is. Well, our, you know, look, Newcastle have made signings, but the two highest profile signings is Joe, Joe, Joe Hilton that they bought and also um, Alain St. Maximin of Nice. I think they bought him from Nice. Uh, you know, both will be big hitters for Newcastle, but I mean, look, they, uh, Newcastle will miss Ayos Perez and Rondon because, look, the two of them alone contributed 23 goals. So I think the pressure is really on Newcastle now because. After that, after that, Rondon and Perez goals. They said the next person that was like a scorer for Newcastle was Fabian Shah, and that was like with four goals. So, yeah, he is going to be really on Newcastle. Uh, and I hope they're going to be goal shy, and we can, you know, get the early goal just to, you know, ease all the nerves. And hopefully, it doesn't take us what almost half a season to lead at halftime. Yeah. And I just feel that. A lot. I think Arsenal can prove a point. Not say that they're going to be title challengers, but I mean Chelsea and Liverpool. I mean Chelsea and Man United have to play each other later on today. So somebody there, or if not both, will drop points. And if Arsenal get get the early edge start, it would be quite good. And just to see the other, you know, top four candidates play the Man Cities, Liverpool, probably title challengers and Spurs. They all seem to get positive results. And, I mean, Liverpool and City started off with a bang. So, hopefully, Arsenal can you know, also start strong. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be one hell of a ride, ladies and gentlemen. So, let's, you know, come on, you Gunners, and I hope you guys enjoy the game this afternoon. I feel a 2-0 win coming for us today. Okay, guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye.